Welcome to our channel. As you take time to listen to God's word today with us, we believe and pray that your faith will be strengthened up each day and we hope that this sermon will be a blessing to you as well as your family. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? Okay, I've got six people in this church who believes in the power of prayer. Let me ask it ask one more time. Hey Hindi how do I ask man? How many of you believe in the power of prayer? How many of you believe in the power of prayer? Wow. Okay. How many of you have experienced God answering prayers in your life? Okay. How many of you have experienced God not answering your prayers in your life? Raise both your hands. All right. See, prayer is powerful. And sometimes prayer is also confusing. Do you agree with me? And we don't say this out loud. We always say, oh, I believe in prayer. I know God answers our prayers. God is a miracle working God. We say this, but oftentimes as Christians, as Bible followers, as, as, as um, you know, um, who, people who believes in Jesus, we often go through this experience where God does not answer our prayers and often we find ourselves in a place of confusion. I'm not quite sure. If I believe in prayer. Prayer is one part where many people have given up on God. Have given up on God. I prayed for this and still God took away this person. I don't believe prayer works. I don't believe God is the answer. And then later they go through this journey and say, I don't believe God exists. Many people have given up on God because of prayer. Because of prayer. In the Bible, Joshua prayed a crazy prayer. And the Bible says no one has ever prayed such a prayer since. In Joshua chapter 10, you see Joshua praying saying, God, let the sun stand still. Let the moon stand still and it stood still and the Bible says no one has ever prayed such a prayer since. A prayer like never before. A prayer like never before. In 1 Kings chapter 18 you see Elijah, he gathered 800 false prophets in the nation. Think about this scenario. Elijah is a prophet of God. He gathered all the false prophets, about 800 people, and he gathered in front of an altar, and he wanted to prove to them that their gods are not real. And the God that he worships is real. And after bringing 800 false prophets in front of an altar, he's now praying to God saying, God, you come down as a fire and burn all these things. Imagine, imagine if that prayer did not work. Imagine, imagine Elijah prayed and God was silent. 
but he had a certain level of confidence in prayer if you ask elijah do you think prayer works he like, hello i am the living testimony and he will go on to tell the story you know one time i had 800 false prophets in a conference and we called it the prayer fire nights we had great time of worship and then i called upon our living god and he came down as a consuming fire elijah will say that with conviction because he has seen it and he has seen god do it daniel 6 daniel prayed while he was facing death and this prayer is from lions den many of you pray when you visit the museum and you stand on the other side and then they say a signpost that says oh if you walk down this way you will see snakes and then you start praying lord nothing should come out as i go there the king cobra should bow down to me and then you go to the lions you go to the tigers and you keep a distance even though they are inside a cage have you seen this have you not- noticed this about yourself you don't go straight away if it's parrots you will go it's ah and you will peep in but if it's lions you don't do that ah lion you still keep a distance you don't want to lose one hand you know i don't know if they fed them today i don't want them to think oh lunch looking at me you keep a distance but daniel was inside the lions den and he was among the lions and he starts praying not screaming not like you know crying his lungs out he did not freak out hopefully but he just prayed and god answered his prayers i can go on like this throughout the bible where there are proofs of god answering prayers and i can also go on with proofs in my own life and also you might have in your life where god did not answer prayers there was one little kid called ron he was just 10 years old and he had a major bike accident and he was fighting for his life and all night we were in the icu praying for his life for god to heal him for god to bring him back and it did not happen and i remember the time when that the mother of that child you know uh, out of out of her grief held me by my collar she literally held me like this why did god allow this why didn't god answer your prayer did i have words to say back to her i did not all i could say is i don't know but i still trust in god many of you would have gone through similar experiences where god did not answer your prayers prayer is powerful sometimes prayer is also confusing in john chapter 14 go with me to john chapter 14 the verses will come on screen can we all read together yeah can we all read together 
Out loud, on the count of one, two, three, go. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will. That's the promise. Many of us, we take this verse, we see this verse. Anything that you ask in my name, I will do it, says the Lord. But why is it not happening? Prayer is powerful. I know prayer is powerful because God is powerful. We are in this series called Why. And in this series, we are asking many questions to God. And we are making it as an open question time to God. Many of you ask questions in your heart. And sometimes you are too scared to ask those questions out loud because you think that others would judge you or even God might judge you. But actually when you ask God a certain why with a genuine heart, with an earnest heart, in fact your why can build your faith. Your why can bring you close to God. Week one, we saw why did God allow it? Why did God allow certain things to happen? Why is God allowing suffering? Why is God uh, allowing bad things to happen to good people? You know, we saw all those kind of questions. If you missed it, it is available in our website. You can kingcitychurch.org forward slash sermons and you can find it there and listen to it. It's there in Spotify. It's there in iTunes. Woohoo! And week two, we looked at the topic, why hell? Why does a loving God send people to hell? Why did he even create hell? And we looked at it and we found out from Bible why God allowed hell. Again, if you want to listen to that sermon, you can go back and listen to it later. Not now, okay? Later. And today, we are looking at this question. Why aren't my prayers answered? We believe God, that God is all-powerful. We believe that prayer is powerful. But at the same time, we find ourselves in confusing moments because of prayer. Today, my aim is two things. I'm going to help you understand the purpose of prayer. And I'm going to help you understand the nature of God when you pray. Are you with me so far? Only two things that we are going to do today as we unpack. Can we get to work? Purpose of prayer, nature of God. Here's the first thing you need to register in your mind. And it might be very hard for us to register. But you need to register in your mind when you start praying, you are not the main character in your prayer. When you start praying, you are not the hero of your prayer. You are not the main character of your prayer. In fact, even in your life, you are not the main character of your story. Then who is it? God. In your prayers, God is the main character of your prayer. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. In other words, if you're taking notes, please write this down. In other words, the purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will. Rather, the purpose of prayer is to know God so we can do His will. 
Prayer is a journey to get to know God more so that we can do what He is willing to do through our life. Many of us, we think that the purpose of prayer is all about me. You know what? I'm his son, he's my father. I'm sure God wants to hear me. Yes, he does. The, 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 the interesting part is that God's wisdom, God's knowledge is so much wide and deep that even before you open your mouth to pray, he knows exactly what you're coming to his presence for. The Bible says God knows your thoughts. In fact, I should even want to uh, scare you a little bit. God even knows what you're about to think. <sighs> God knows even what you're about to think. So God knows what you're about to think. God knows your thoughts before it even turns into prayers. So who is the main character in your prayer, in your story, in your prayer life? It's not you, it's God. But at the same time, we have to merge ourselves with what God is willing to do in, our, in and through our lives. God is not a spiritual Santa Claus. God is not a Spiritual Santa Claus. I don't know. I mean, this does not apply in our culture because we don't do this much often. But you, if you've seen, uh, you know, uh, English Christmas movies, I'm sure there will be some sort of character at one point in the story where in a big market there will be a Santa Claus sitting in the middle and all the children will go and sit on the Santa's lap and say, Santa, Santa, I've been very good this year. Give me a gift. And then the Santa will pull out something from his bag and give to the child. And many people think prayer is like that. I will go and I will sit on Jesus' lap and say, Jesus, Jesus, I've been so good this year. I deserve an answer from you. I deserve a gift from you. We go with the mentality of entitlement in prayer because that is a consuming mind. But that is not prayer. Jesus is not our burger king, but he is our king of kings. You don't walk up and say, I would like to order a nice car, a nice house, and a good job, and get me out of Bishop Heber as soon as possible. <laughs> if anybody watching online, cut that part later. <laughs> it's a great college, by the way. No, honestly, I love, the, I love the principle there. It's a great guy. He's not your drive-thru God. He's not your drive-thru God where you just drive through and order something and then God says, okay, next window you can pick it up. God is not a button to be pushed where you come to him and say, I want this blessing button. I want miracle button. I want breakthrough 
button. I want to do this button, that button, this button. God is not a button to be pushed, but rather he is a relationship to be pursued. If you got that, you would clap and praise him because God came for a relationship. If he was just a button to be pushed, he did not have to come to earth and die on the cross. He could have stayed there listening to you and I. But he couldn't stay there looking at us, you know, living in sin and dying in sin. So he stepped down from heaven and he died on the cross for your sins and mine so that we can have a living, real relationship with you. God is not a cashier sitting in the heaven's bank where prayer is your checkbook like transaction. I give this to him so that he will give this to me. It is not a transaction. He is not a bank manager. He is not just a cashier. Oh, you prayed? Okay, take this. Oh, you did this? Okay, take this. It is, prayer is not a matter of transaction. It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of your relationship with God. So we need to understand when you read John 14, 13 to 14, you need to understand that the purpose of prayer isn't to get, to do, get God to do our will, but the purpose of prayer is to know God so that we can do His will. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So whatever you ask should bring glory to God. So I am not the main character in the prayer. I am not the hero of my prayer. God is. So when you have that understanding, you may ask me for anything that will bring glory to his name and it shall be done. It shall be done. A lot of times we take one verse, we, start, we just take it out of context, we interpret it in such a way that we think that we are entitled to everything that we ask for. We need to understand who wrote it, to whom he wrote it, and what is the cultural and historical context. And you've got to have some sort of understanding when you take a verse. So you might be sitting here and still wondering, okay, why didn't God answer my prayer? And we're going to go through the scriptures. I don't have the answer. So if you're looking at me, okay, just tell me, you know, just, just get to the point. I don't have the answer. But I have four possibilities from the scripture. And when I say possibilities, it, they are maybes. But I know for sure it's from the scripture and there are these four possibilities could tell you maybe why God is not answering our prayers. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Four possible reasons from scriptures of why God did not answer our prayers. Possibility number one, maybe you have a broken relationship with God. One of the possibilities why God is, did not answer your prayer or is still not answering your prayer because you might have a broken relationship with God. But no, I love God. Let me take, let me take you to one scripture. In Mark chapter 11, okay, verse 24 and 25 says, Therefore, I tell you, 
whatever you ask for in prayer now jesus is saying this whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours that's the promise you understand believe that you have received it and it will be yours but here comes verse 25 and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins in other words for your prayers to be answered by god your relationship with others are important stay with me stay with me what really yes if you cannot forgive your neighbor if you cannot forgive your friend who turned his back against you if you cannot forgive what happened in the past and let go and still come to god asking for a breakthrough in your life that affects your prayer life your unforgiveness unforgiving heart affects your prayer life it affects your prayer in other words our relationship with others matter when you pray when you pray our relationship with others matters when you pray i'll give you a very very basic very basic example of this okay this is a very basic example imagine like okay as children in your house you've been uh, you've been fighting with your brother you've been fighting with this all day you're like fighting 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 you created a great havoc and a mess and your parents are really angry with you you know and johnny did this uh, he did that no 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 he did that and then like they're they're going crazy and that evening there is a birthday party of your friend and you're supposed to go for that but whole day you've been fighting 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 not being nice to each other you create havoc at home and then at the end of it you come to say uh, you did not repent from that but you come to say can i go to my friend's birthday party and what is the first thing that comes out of your parents mouth no, no. <laughs> how you behave affects your request to your parents you're like come on you are grounded no i want to go well do you say sorry to your brother first no i don't want to well no birthday party then a simple psychology now god is not like this parent you know is like super mad at you or anything but as you pray he's still listening to you but he's giving you time to repent from certain things before he answers certain requests that you have put in front of him that you have put in front of him your relationship with people impacts your relationship with god your relationship with people impacts your relationship with god but you think pastor that's two different track no sir no ma'am it's not two different track the holy spirit works how he works in the church the same way he works when you step outside he is one 
He hasn't given, I give you one Holy Spirit for the church and one for Bishop Bieber. Or one for your business. Or one for your home. Or one for St. Joseph's. Let me add St. Joseph's also just in case. <laughs> just to even things out here. He's not giving two Holy Spirits or three Holy Spirits. He is one. You have one soul. But it just jumps and jumps and jumps. So how you behave with others affects your relationship with God. Matthew 5, 23, 24, it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your offering there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. I don't have peace in my house. Are you in peace with your mamanar? Are you in peace with your mamiyar? Mamiyar? I want peace, I want peace, I want peace. Are you in peace with them? You have no idea what they speak about me. You have no idea how they treat me. That does not matter because the Holy Spirit knows who you are. Are you in peace with your parents? Are you in peace with your husband, in, with your wife, with your children? Are you in peace with them? Your life with others affects your prayer. You can speak in tongues for five hours. You can be filled by the Holy Spirit. But yet, it takes so much pride in your heart to go out of your way and say one word. Sorry. 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 They did not say sorry. Why should I say sorry? God wants you to sacrifice yourself because he sacrificed himself for you. If you have received grace, if you have received forgiveness, then give. What you have received freely, thou shalt give freely. Here comes the crazy part. Husbands, are you ready? Husbands, are you ready? Where are the husbands? I don't see any husbands here today. There is only two husbands. Where are the rest of the husbands? We shall pray. Maybe their prayers are not being answered. Okay. <laughs> husbands, pray for the ones that are not here, honestly. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them. This is in the Bible, guys. This is not my own script. He's like, where on earth is he reading this from? 1 Peter 3, 7. And treat them with respect. As the weaker partner and as has with you of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. All the wives clap. Come on. All the wives. Why there's no wife clapping here? Some wives are like, I wish he was here to listen to this. Hmm? Come on. First Peter 3, 7. I will write it in my hand and I show it to him. 
how you treat your wife can hinder your prayer life how you treat somebody can hinder your prayer life you could do all focus focus prayer life outside to show people that you are a prayerful person but if you cannot treat your own wife right if you cannot treat your own husband right there is no point when you pray you keep praying you keep praying you keep praying it is a phone that is ringing and ringing and ringing but nobody is picking up my friend nobody is picking up it will go to voicemail Why didn't God answer my prayer? Maybe it's because of a broken relationship. Repent, confess, change your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in that area and you will see breakthrough. Number 2. Why is my prayer is not being answered? Maybe you have the wrong motives. Maybe you have the wrong intentions. The Pharisees they prayed as a display to others. You might be saying Lord bless my family financially bless my business but you're not willing to tithe you're not willing to give what belongs to God first repent from that your intention is not right I want my hair to be thicker I want my nails to be longer I want my income to be higher Is that a right intention What are you praying for Whatever that you pray for let it bring glory to God. Matthew 6:5 says, "When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get." If your prayer and your intention is to impress somebody in prayer, I've seen many people do this. They start with some sort of language in prayer and all this poetic language and everybody around, "Wow! <laughs> God, you are the God of heaven. When you stretch your legs come to the earth, when you yawn, you know, you can touch Nigeria from India. Lord, you know, they go on and on with this King James version and the rest of the people in the group are like, "I can't pray like this. He must be so spiritual." killers <laughs> the moment they pray others don't want to pray <laughs> either they are praying too long or either they are praying some sort of king james prayer that nobody can understand and the ones are like i just want to say god how are you today this is not about how magnificent your language is in prayer it is not it's about your heart prayer is not from your language or from your lips you know you know sometimes in my prayer life lot of answers i have received was through silence in prayer do you know that sometimes i just go and i just sit i'm like mm, i don't have the strength to pray there are some things that is eating my head i just don't even want to say it because you already know it just speak to me lord and i just sit there quietly and god speaks through his word gently he responds it's so overwhelming but yet he responds 
yet he responds. So pray with the right intentions. Third reason that maybe why God is not answering your prayer is because maybe you don't believe God will do it. God will do it. When Paul was in prison, the church gathered together and they started praying. God delivered him, brought him out of the prison. Paul came standing knocking at the door. A lady comes and opens. She sees Paul. You're not Paul, he's in prison. <laughs> he goes back and tells the apostles who are praying. and say, hey, the one that we are praying for is delivered. From the prison, he's at the door. He's like, hey, sit quietly. We are praying for Paul. He's in prison and you're seeing, looking at somebody and you're saying they are Paul. Just come. Sit down. Sit down. Let's pray. We need to pray for deliverance for Paul. But he's already at the door. Maybe we believe God for something, but we don't believe God for it. While we are praying. Is it, hap- can it, is it possible? It's possible. You pray for rain. But you go out. Without an umbrella. <laughs> it's like that. Mark chapter 9. A boy was possessed. He couldn't talk. Foam is coming out of his mouth. And the father of the boy. Is asking the disciples. To do something about it. Mark chapter 9 verse 22 to 24. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I believe. But also part of me there is unbelief. I believe that Jesus is my savior. I believe that he is my healer. But part of me has some level of unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. In the same prayer, in the same line, this man is saying, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That has to be our prayer sometimes. There are moments when our faith faith has gone weaker. God healed the blindness. He can heal terminal diseases. And many times we have prayed and we have seen people, you know, gone to be with the Lord and not be healed. It's tricky. But your faith matters when you pray. Your faith matters when you pray. Matthew chapter 9 verse 22, there's a woman who was bleeding for 12 years and Jesus looks at her and says, your faith has healed you. Luke 7.50, the immoral woman, when, he, when she came to Jesus, he looks at her and says, your faith has saved you. Two blind men, Jesus said, do you believe? Matthew 9.29 and 30, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Your faith matters when you pray. But your faith is not everything when you pray. You got to understand this. Your faith matters when you pray but your faith is not everything when you pray what do i mean by that there are many gospels that is going out there prosperity gospel claim it and name it and you shall receive it 
You know, all these things are going around here and, and those gospels are kind of, uh, you know, those preachers are kind of teaching that if you have faith and you ask God, God is entitled to give to you. If you ask, he should give to you. You should be prosperous. You should have a Lamborghini. You should have this. You should have that. And they constantly speak because you gave, God should bless you back. What that doctrine is doing is that you are putting your faith in your faith and not in God. It's tricky. It's tricky. You're not, you have to know the word before you start listening to anybody. You got to cross check with the word. Because that gospel of prosperity, what they're trying to do is that you are putting your faith in your faith. See, you can have faith, but God is still God. He can decide what he wants to do. You can have faith, but your faith is in God and not on your faith. Your faith is not on your own faith, but your faith is in God. I have faith that God does it and will do it. But end of the day, I am ready to accept whatever answer that he gives me because God is God. God is God. You might say, Pastor, my relationship with God is good. With others, it's good. I have the right motive when I am praying. I certainly have a lot of faith. What could be a, another possible reason that my prayer is not being answered? Maybe God has something different for you. Maybe God has something different for you. One of the reasons that God is probably not answering your prayer is maybe God has something different for you. 1 John 5, 14 to 15, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to what? Can you read that? According to? Come on, everybody read it out loud. According to? According to? According to? According to? He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Apostle Paul in the Bible, over three times he has said this, Lord, take away the thorn that is in my flesh. Many scholars say that maybe Maybe, you know, he had some sort of disability. Paul does not directly say what he is struggling with. He called his suffering, but some sort of terminal suffering that he had in his health. I'm talking about the Paul, the Apostle Paul. He had some sort of terminal illness that he keeps referring back to as a thorn in his flesh, thorn in his flesh. Some scholars say that it, he might have been you know, disabled or, or maybe one of his eyes was blind or, you know, there's so many claims. I, I think it, it says somewhere, you know, that Paul was a very short man. I think he was really insecure about his height, maybe, like me. We don't know what his thorn was in the flesh. We just don't know. But he pleaded with God for a long season 
that this man you know he preached the gospel for over 30 years in every major city under the mediterranean basin he has gone through shipwrecks he has been beaten he was stoned for the gospel he was imprisoned he wrote one third of the new testament every verse that you put on your coffee mug or your t-shirt maybe paul wrote it and finally god speaks to him and he says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfect in your weakness in other words god allowed that weakness in paul's life as a testimony as a testimony as a testimony maybe you're sitting here and wondering why did god allow this thing to happen in my life i know a family who's um who had a child and because of birth injuries her name is mercy and because of birth injuries she became disabled as she grew she was walking she was in sunday school with me and all of a sudden one part of her body she had a stroke when she was like 9 years old then you know start becoming disabled she thinks she's going straight but she'll be walking towards the right and she'll be going towards the you know towards the staircase we will all run and go get her all of a sudden after 2 years later without her own control she started drooling and she did not realize that she was drooling and then it just got worse and worse and worse and it came to a point that she was totally paralyzed in the bed and often we all wondered why why did god allow that in this family her brother is a good friend of mine great family loves the lord serves god wholeheartedly faithful in every matters of their lives but one could never understand why did god allow this weakness what is the purpose of it what is the purpose of it and we could never understand that sometimes and the only place that we could probably understand is when we go on to the other side and when she was probably 27 28 she went to be with the lord i couldn't attend her funeral but but through in that funeral we heard that the family gave testimonies after testimonies after testimonies where every year they thought that she's going to go away but god added one more year God added one more year. God added one more year. And they and 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 this was my dad's they gave almost some 28 testimonies. 28 testimonies just literally the same year of her lives. And many people walked away accepting Jesus in their lives. Accepting Jesus in their lives. My grace is sufficient for you. my power will be perfected in your weakness if you somebody going through weakness somebody going through terminal illness somebody going through disabled disability don't pity for them stand with them because they are 
the perfect representation of God's faithfulness. Even when they're going through pain, don't look down. Look up to God because God's name can be glorified through their life. God has a purpose. If he has allowed weakness, there is a purpose. And through that weakness, his strength shall be displayed to people. Can we all stand together? I don't know where you are at in your mind. You might think, man, this prayer thing is so complicated. Why bother praying? I feel like it's so tricky. End of the day, God is going to do what He wants, right? Why should I pray? He does what He wants, but He does it through His relationship with you, not without your relationship. God is not trying to do something in your life at the cost of your faith. I want to say that again. I want to say that again. I want to say that again. And I want you to get that. God is not doing something in your life at the cost of your faith or your relationship with God. He is doing something in your life at His own cost. At His own cost. At His own, through His own blood through his own sacrifice in other words what he's doing for you what he's allowing in your life is for your best is for your best is for your best the one thing that I can ask you today is can you trust Jesus can you trust him when you pray can you go with an open heart when you pray the purpose of prayer isn't is not to get God to do your do our will but the purpose of prayer is to know God so that we can do His will. If you are going through challenges in your prayer life, God is waking you up this morning. God is waking you up to say, my son, my daughter, come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Enough is enough, let's pray. Don't doubt the power of prayer because God is still at work. When you pray, go with this attitude. I believe God can. I believe God will. And even if He doesn't, I still believe that He is my God. That He is my God. The purpose of prayer isn't isn't God to get to do our will, but it is to know Him better so that we can do His will. Thank you for listening to our sermon. We hope that this sermon was a blessing for you as well as your family. If you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org forward slash give. And we will meet you next week with another inspiring sermon. God bless you.